Oh man, welcome to the Af Geeks podcast where athletes and geeks collide. Thank you for joining me for another special edition of not really a fight preview. This is more of a rant. Um, I don't even I don't have no notes, no nothing, no milk, no cookies, no nothing. I'm just sitting here, raw, unfiltered, going off the dome. I apologize for my absence. I've been missing a little bit. Had a kid, had some life stuff to figure out, had some mental health stuff to figure out. So you know, of course, I haven't been present like I want to be. But I'm here now, and I'm here for you guys. So let's get right into it. It's duck season of boxing, guys. I like to call it duck, 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 because nobody ever picks the goose. Uh, Across the landscape of boxing, we've had a number of notable fights happen, but they haven't been championship-level fights. Outside of the the Charlo Castano fight that happened a couple weekends ago, you haven't really seen that many unifications happen this year. There is one scheduled for today, actually, the 24th. Uh, not really a unification, but a rematch of uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder was supposed to happen today. But then Tyson Fury allegedly caught COVID, even though he was out in the streets buying cars, you know, getting tattoos, et cetera, et cetera. And before that, he was slated to fight Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury was, that is. And that was going to be a true unification fight. But they allowed Deontay Wilder to use court proceedings to force a rematch between him and Tyson Fury. And so the Anthony Joshua unification fight got pushed, but it looks a little funny in the light when anytime a challenge is presented to Tyson Fury, an obstacle appears suddenly kind of like a magic trick. It's just fishy in the light. And that's just the heavyweight division. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that a fear of unification a fear of losing these belts that make you a quote-unquote champion, uh, it just creates like a lot of ducking in boxing because, honestly, if the way boxing works, if you don't have a belt, you're nobody. And that's why you see a whole bunch of – I told you in the episode before that we'll get into like the science that is belts, the, the confusion that is belts. So before I get into my rant about people ducking each other, let me go ahead and start the whole reason people duck. It's the belts, right? So you have these sanctioning organizations, the WBA, the WBO, the IBF, and the WBC. The WBA and the WBC have a tendency, especially them, have a tendency to create three, up to three quote-unquote champions in their divisions, right? So in your lightweight division, you have the WBC champion, and then you have a WBC interim champion at the same time as a WC champion crown, right? And then you'll have a WC franchise champion. What the fuck is that? Who knows? The reason I can't even give you like the use case or why they would label these differently is because they don't even know. Essentially, what the what these belts do is when you win a belt in boxing, right? In order to maintain that belt and hold that belt, you have to, one, make mandatory defenses. So if I say, hey, you have to face this number one contender and you refuse, you lose that belt. You also have to pay your sanctioning fees, which can be $200,000 a year, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. So as long as you hold that belt, you're paying for it. So you don't just win it. You're essentially winning it and then renting it. (laughs) It's crazy, right? So your WBC does that three belts bullshit. The WBA, Javante Davis has a WBA regular belt at 140. There's a WBA champion at 140 that's unified, Josh Taylor. 
So he has the WBA belt, the WBC belt, the IBF belt, and the WBO belt, the just the legit primary belt, right? But then you have, if I'm not mistaken, an interim at 130. It's, it's nuts. It's insane. In fact, Tank has a, the 130 WBA belt as well. So it, if you're confused, don't worry. So am I. Because why are so many of these belts, right? So once again, these belts give you status in the world of boxing. Now, when you start looking at how matchmaking works in boxing, you know, as a prospect, we try and give you touch-up fights. We try and give you fights that challenge you. We try and give you fights that make you a draw, show your knockout power, show whatever skill set that you possess that makes you marketable, right? And as you get not within the middle of your career, but the middle of the beginning of your career, then they start hitting you with fights that start making you a quote-unquote contender. Once again, these belts, these sanctioning organizations, they have rankings. You have the champion, and they have a fighter that's ranked one, two, three, four, five. You want to be within that one to five range to get a shot at the title, right? So you have the champion, and you have the contenders. And now, as a as a prospect, as a contender, you're trying to find a way to get one of these champions to fight you. But the belts is the only thing that make these champions notable. Boxing is not a glamour sport. It's not football. It's not basketball. It's not soccer. It's not baseball. Boxers, while they make a lot of money at a high level, they're not the they're not making baseball money. You know what I'm saying? And Floyd will have people fooled. Deontay Wilder might have people fooled because they make a lot of money, but not every boxer can promote themselves in the way that these gentlemen promote themselves. And a lot of that has to do with your promoter as well, right? So when it comes to matchmaking, how do you prevent someone from ducking you, right? So we we just talked about Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury situation. Generally, when you have to make a, when there's a rematch clause, you have to make a mandatory defense. If you don't make that fight, you lose that belt. So Tyson Fury won the Deontay Wilder WC belt from him when he knocked his ass out the last go around. But because of the rematch clause, if he doesn't make this fight, he has to vacate that belt unless you get COVID. It smells like duck to me. <laughs> it smells like duck to me. So, so just think about that. It, that's, that's a, I don't want to use the term pandemic because it's insensitive what's going on in the world today. But that's the sickness that's going on in boxing today. It's not just at the heavyweight division. In the lightweight division, Teofimo Lopez, I wouldn't say he's ducking his mandatory. He has a mandatory George Cambosos for the IBF belt. But ever he, he unified maybe a year, over a year ago, and he has not fought since. He has not made a single fight since. So you tell me what he's doing. And then he also knows that after he fights George Cambosos, he has to have a rematch with the person he unified against, Lomachenko, who was ranked top 10 pound for pound. Where you put him is your choice. He used to be number one in a lot of people's list. It smells like duck season to me. And it's not that these people can't beat the people that they don't want to fight, the people they avoid fighting, but there is always a chance that they lose their belts. And there's a chance that they lose their belts. There's a chance that they lose money that they get for being the ace out of a fight. There's a chance they lose sponsorships that they're a marketable personality, which honestly, a lot of these boxes aren't. A lot of boxes are mm, not going to get into the character aspect of it. But 
you know, there's so much on the line that you can lose in 12 rounds that a lot of these fighters, you know, they play the blame and promoter game, right? Oh, well, who do you guys want to, who do you want to fight next, Tank? Oh, I got the best team in boxing. I'll just, you know, I'll leave it up to my promoter. I'll leave it up to Floyd. I'll leave it up to Al Heyman. And then I'll let them figure it out. I want the best that's available, but I'll let them figure it out, right? So Tank Davis, the best that's available in his division, he can go three divisions. He can go to 130, to 135, to 140. So that means he has an option of fighting Devin Haney, the actual WBC champion at 135. He can fight Ryan Garcia, the 135 interim champion. Jojo Diaz, the 135 interim champion. He can fight, hell, Shakur Stevenson. He can fight Jamel Herring, a 130 WBA champion. There's there's a plethora of fights that he can make for the belt. But directly after his fight, Floyd Mayweather would say, we're going to keep it in-house. We're not going to make other promotion companies rich, right? Meaning he's going to only fight for PBC and in the Floyd Mayweather stable. You don't have champions in the PBC. So that means Tank is not making champion-level fights. Tell me that's not a problem. It is not, it's not just Floyd that's doing that. The PBC is guilty of that. And this... The track I'm taking will probably take me on the rant, so I want to be careful. The PBC is guilty of doing that with Errol Spence in the welterweight division specifically. So before Errol Spence, um, he unified the two belts, the IBF and the WBC belt, WBA belt, I'm sorry. He only had one belt, which means there was, I think, Manny Pacquiao had the WBA belt. Terrence Crawford has a WBO belt. And then somebody, who fucking was it? Uh, Sean Porter had the IBF belt, right? So there's four belts. Three of those belts were in the PBC. Terrence Crawford, the only ESPN promoted, only top-ranked promoted fighter with a WBO belt. So he's left out in the cold when it comes to title fights. Terrence Crawford is ranking the top three pound-for-pound list of fighters in the world. He's a surefire first battle Hall of Famer when he's done with his career. He can stop the day he'll be a Hall of Famer. He unified at 140. He got all he got all four of the 140 belts, just like Josh Taylor does now. He had all of them, moved up the welterweight, got his first belt quickly. Since then, he has not fought for an additional belt. He's been in probably about four years he's been in the welterweight division. Tell me how. Tell me how Sean Porter can fight Danny Garcia for the IBF belt. Tell me how. Fucking Errol Spence has able to gain two belts fighting within the same promotion company at a lower level of talent, but the fight with Taron Crawford has not been made. Sorry about that. I had to take a break and get my little man. You know, he started crying. It's just me in the house right now. The only reason I can pod. But like I was saying, man, so essentially you have Bud on the outside, Terrence Crawford on the outside of these championship level fights. You have you have Errol Spence about to fight Manny Pacquiao, 42-year-old man, 44-year-old man at this point, I believe, for his third belt. And then he's going to want to circle back around and get Terrence Crawford, allegedly. But then he says if he doesn't if he doesn't fight Terrence Crawford, he goes up to one fifty four. It's just it's sick, man. Like a fighter of buzz of like Terrence Crawford's um caliber should not be fighting 
contenders for four years. He should be fighting championship level fights. And, you know, hopefully after, you know, Errol Spence or Manny Pacquiao wins, they'll come back around for him. But it won't look good if Manny wins because Manny, Manny really only fights in the election cycle when he needs extra money for his campaign. And honestly, I mean, it's, you can, you could pick a division. I'll tell you who a duck. You know what I mean? The WBC 135, Devin Haney, he's a champion that nobody seems to want to fight, even though he doesn't have knockout power. But he's so skilled at boxing. He's so skilled at winning rounds that even the most devastating puncher probably can't hit him. His defense is really, really good. Nobody wants to fight him. He's been he's been in the ring calling out the Ryan Garcias. He's the one with the belt, but he's the one going in the range calling out people because he wants to fight. Of no, he's called out Lomachenko. He's called out Tiafima Lopez. Tiafima Lopez claims he wants to fight Haney next, right after his George Cambosis fight. But now he already is in agreement to fight Vasily uh, Lomachenko. So that's that's two fights in between when you said you'll fight Devin Haney at one thirty five. But both of you guys are busting up the scenes. They're going to move up to one forty, right? So nobody's going to have a belt because Josh Taylor's up there unified at 140. So what are you fighting for? Think about that. They, you, you, see how, you see how quickly things get slippery? You have Tyson Fury with a fight in between the unification fight that already got delayed. Both those fights have got delayed. You have Devin Haney, who's just searching for a, a dancing partner. You have Errol Spence and Bud Crawford refusing to fight each other, but Keen saying they want each other. I'll leave it to my promoter to figure that out. Pick a division. The only fight, the only division where people are truly, truly, truly getting busy is 168. And there's only one reason, because the best fighter in the world is at 168, and that's Canelo Alvarez. And that'll probably just take us into our pound-for-pound debate. I literally got a bottle to my kid's mouth right now, so I can't spend too much time just going crazy. I just wanted to give you guys a little something. You know, I love I love our supporters. I love our I love our AF geeks, man. So I just wanted to get in here and just chop it up with you guys just a little bit. So I get this pound for pound listing out the way, and then I'll probably bid you guys adieu. Me and Harrison should be back later today with another episode, you know, just kicking shit. But let me get to this pound for pound listing. So for those of you who don't know, a pound for pound listing is essentially a top 10 debate. It's never stagnant. It's never finalized, and it's never 100% accurate because every promotion company, every Every website, every journalism, every, every journalist has their own version. Today, I'll just read off ESPNs. I feel like theirs is probably the most biased, which makes it easily, um, makes it easy to, to sift through the bullshit. And I'll just replace fighters as I see fit. I'll probably read out the whole top ten just to give you like a view of how ESPN, <laughs> how ESPN so clearly favors their fighters. And I'll give you some reasons why I think people shouldn't be on there, should be lower, et cetera, et cetera. So starting number one, and this is essentially no debate Canelo Alvarez Canelo Alvarez in the midst is in the midst of like a scout collecting tour he's at 168 he moved up from 160 actually moved down from 175 he's he was really a true 160 waiter had that do had that uh I want to call it a drill trilogy had that two fight uh that two fight bout with Triple G drew one won the other one then he moved up to 175 to fight um Sergio Kovalev won a belt up there, came back down 168, got one belt, got another belt, got another belt, and now there's only one belt left standing, that's Caleb Plant. So he's on the verge of unifying at 168 at the holding belts at every division he's been at since he's been in. So that's amazing. I think he started at welterweight, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, he has welterweight, 
middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight. He's held belts in all those divisions. Um, he only had two losses. One was one of those was to Floyd Mayweather. So I mean, he only has one loss technically in my eyes. But I mean, what can you do about that, right? So number one, Canelo Alvarez, uh, great defense, even better offense. He pick he's picky with his shots. Uh, he's exciting to watch because he's so skilled, and you just know even in his last fight against Billy Joe Saunders, where the fight might have been close. You just knew he was going to pull it out and stop him. He broke the man's orbital bone. He might have retired Billy Joe Saunders for good. So at number two, ESPN, who Terrence Crawford is represented by, has him at number two. I think this is still a bit too high skill-wise. Sure, Terrence Crawford is probably the second best boxer in the world, right? Maybe number one. But the level of competition he's faced through his career has not been impressive. And that's a knock you hear a lot of people like OD on. He has had good competition. He made... He's fought Victor Postal. He's unified at 140. He's um he's beaten Kel Brook, who Errol Spence, who's lower on his list, has beaten for a belt. I mean, he he's fought good fighters. He's fought in number one contenders for his belt. He just doesn't have that that career defining fight that you actually see him be tested. And you might never see him be tested because he's so skilled and he's so mean and he's such a great finisher that he just may make really good fighters look average. I mean, he, he beat Jeff Horn, which I guess is cool because Jeff Horn beat Manny Pacquiao, who Errol Spence is about to fight, which is apparently a good fight. I don't I don't know, man. Boxing pick and choose what they think is a good fight. But Terrence Crawford is a good fighter. I have him in my top mm, somewhere between three and five. I'll go down this list, and I'll, I'll see how I feel about it. The next fighter on this list is Nayo Inoue, a Bantam late for Japan. I would not move a single thing. I would not move him up or down. He belongs at three. He's young. He's had he's had that career to find a fight against Lenito Donaire. That was a war. He had broke his bone in that fight, still won the fight. Um, his knockout power is devastating. I've never seen someone so small generate so much torque and so much power in their punches. And it's so sudden. He's not just a headhunter. He'll stop you to the body. He'll make you quit. He'll make you quit on the stool. Uh, just an amazing talent. And he's still young-ish, you know? So it'll be interesting to see how ESPN promotes him because he mainly likes to fight overseas. He's He lives in Japan. He's not an American fighter. So it'll be interesting to see how he's um he's marketed. He calls himself the monster. So expect some Godzilla type shit to happen in the near future. At number four, Errol Spence Jr. Um, with Errol, man, he's at, one, he's at 147. He's a welterweight. He's probably a 154 pounder, honestly. And his run... Is his best fight was the Sean Porter fight, which was a a, a fight for uh the IBF belt and his was his WBO belt, his WBA belt. So I mean that was a good fight. That was a war, it was a split decision. He won it. Um, then his other fight was against Danny Garcia, just a defense against one of his belts. Danny Garcia was a slower fighter. He's not really an impressive win to me. His most impressive win is probably Sean Porter and Kell Brook in that order. Kell Brook was an older fighter when he fought him. Um. I don't know, man. It's like my, my man Shears, he always hypes up Arrow, probably because he's from the Texas area. And he you can see he's skilled, but he's not so skilled that it's like, shit, I can't get around this, right? So in a matchup with him and Terrence Crawford, the only question is because Arrow Spence is so big for the division, can Crawford stand up to his punch? But Crawford's never been down. So, I mean, I just don't know if 
Errol Spence's size is enough. And I, to be granted, I've only watched him loosely since the Sean Porter fight. But, I mean, he took some damage in that Sean Porter fight, not to mention directly after the Sean Porter fight, he flew out the windshield of his Ferrari or his Lambo or something like that, wasn't wearing a seatbelt. He's lucky to be alive. So um, I'll keep him top. I'll keep him top five. He might be four or five. The next one is Teofimo Lopez, who's unified at 135. He did it in only 16 fights. I'll probably put him at four because of who he beat. Because Teofimo Lopez last fought Vasily Lomachenko, who was ranked by ESPN as the number one fighter in the world. Uh, I've talked about Vasily Lomachenko before. I wonder about fight previews. You know, he's a masterful fighter. He's a skillful fighter. He's a tactician. He doesn't necessarily have knockout power, but he's knocked a lot of people out. So for Teofimo to beat Vasily like that, to make Vasily look normal, to make Vasily passive for six rounds is an amazing feat in his own. It shows his growth. And he's young, man. Like, he might be he might be younger than 24. He's young. He's strong. He's big for the division. He probably had become a welterweight when it's all said and done. You can see it in his shoulders. You can see it in his sides. You can see how hard that weight cut is for him to make 135. And that's my concern with him is, you know, he has this mandatory defense he hasn't made yet for all four of his belts. And he may not even want to, he may not even stay there after the mandatory. He may make that one mandatory defense and leave. And the only reason he'll make the mandatory is because he got a six million deal for it by Triller. So Tiofima Lopez at five. Uh I'll put him at four, Errol Spence at five. So right now we have look like we have Canelo at one, Crawford at two, Nyla Inouye at three, uh Errol Spence Jr. at four, and Tiofima Lopez at five. Uh if you don't have any if you don't understand why means I didn't do a good enough job of explaining. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Heart of the City. The E in the heart is spelled with a three. The A is spelled with, like, the at sign or some shit like that. Or it is at Harrison. He'll, he'll give you my information, man. At six, and this is where this shit starts getting really picky, we have Tyson Fury. I would not have Tyson Fury this high. Uh, I think his career has been kind of flukish, to be honest with you, right? He beat Deontay Wilder, which is an impressive win. But the heavyweight division is, like, really thin at the top. So you probably have three fighters total. You have Deontay Wilder, you have Tyson Fury, you have Anthony Joshua. Deontay Wilder is obviously the least skilled of the three. Tyson Fury is the best boxer of the three. Anthony Joshua is like a, a mix of both. He has power, um, but he also has some skill. He has some boxing ability. He's from Britain. A lot of British fighters have that ability to box very well. So Tyson and Tyson Fury is also British. But he's like 6'8". He has long fucking arms. It's very hard to hit him. So beating beating Deontay Wilder the second time after drawing the first time wasn't impressive to me because Deontay Wilder is kind of like what we say about Giannis, right? He has no bag, but he's dangerous because he doesn't need one. He has one punch that'll put you to sleep maybe in your life. Like, that's not an exaggeration. But it's not impressive to me if you find a way to circumvent that. And maybe it should be because Deontay Wilder has like 42 wins and one loss, and that's a Tyson Fury. So maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a little biased because of recent events, but I can't I can't have you higher than six if you haven't fought in a year. And you haven't you haven't even in your like the reasons you haven't fought is just it just seems very duckish to me. It just scares me. So I'll probably put him lower and I'll replace him with who's below him in Josh Taylor, a recently unified champion at one forty. You heard me say his name a lot. He's a potential fighter for anybody, man. He may be Bud Crawford's next fight if Errol Spence doesn't happen. He may be Tank Davis's next fight if Floyd Mayweather stops, you know, being a pussy. There's it's a lot of options for him out there. 
Um, but he's a good fighter, man. I think he's from like Sweden or some shit. He's really skilled. Has enough power. His last fight was against Jose Ramirez. That was a war. He knocked Jose down two times. Um, Jose's a pressure fighter. It's hard for skilled fighters to deal with pressure fighters sometimes, but sometimes it's the perfect matchup. It's probably, in my opinion, one of the fights of the year. So if you haven't seen that, it should be on ESPN+. Plus. I recommend you go check it out. If you're not on ESPN+, Plus, go look on YouTube. It might be there. Um, so I'll put him at seven. I mean, I'll put Josh Taylor at six. I'll move Tyson Fury all the way down to eight, which is where they have a silly Lomachenko on there. Now, Tyson Fury has a belt. Lomachenko lost all his belts to Teofimo Lopez. But Teofimo Lopez might be the best motherfucker at 135, so that's nothing to be ashamed of. Vasily Lomachenko, outside of his amateur career where he has over 300-plus wins, I mean, the way the second half of the Lopez fight showed me that, one, Lomachenko was injured. He had, like, half surgery, shoulder surgery, like, immediately afterwards. And then he showed me that even though he was injured, he he found a way to get back in that fight. Like, he could have made that fight a draw if a, if a judge scored that fight a little differently, right? Um, He last fought against Nakatani, dismantled Nakatani. I mean, dismantled. And Nakatani gave Lopez problems. So that doesn't necessarily mean that Lopez, that Lopez would have problems with uh, Lomachenko. If Lomachenko's healthy, maybe not. But, I mean, boxing is as much of a speculative business as it is anything. So, it's something worth looking out for. So, I would have Lomachenko at 7, Josh Taylor at 6, Tyson Fury at 8. Uh, the next two, 9 and 10, I mean, who really gives a fuck, right? You can put whoever you win at these spots. They're, they're at the bottom of the totem pole. They're probably interchangeable. They're good fighters. But, I mean, what have they done impressive? Out Like, what, what have you done for me recently type type league, right? So, nine is almost in the Usyk. I would keep him there simply because he's unified before. Um, he's unified all his belts. I forgot what division it was. He's been moving up and down a lot. I want to say it was like heavyweight. Um, it may have been a cruiserweight, but he's a unified champion. He's a skilled boxer. He's small for the heavyweight division. His next fight is against Anthony Joshua September 25th. It should be a good matchup. If I cannot name anyone of note that he beat, that was important. Like important. I mean, he beat Derek Tresor, who isn't like a very skilled boxer. Once again, he has a heavyweight division. I told you before, it's very, very top heavy there. Uh, number ten, John Francisco Estrada. Uh, he's a junior bantamweight, a really, really small fighter, one of the little guys. His last fight was against uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez. I thought he lost that fight. It was a split decision win. I can't put him at ten there. Honestly, if we just, if we're being honest, I probably put one. I would have put the Charlo brothers there. One of them, probably Jamel, but he lost his last. I mean, he he drew, but he really lost his last fight. And then I'll put Tank there. I will honestly put Tank there, even though he's he's won belts across three divisions, whether they're the primary belt or not. They were good fights. Uh, he won all of them by knockout, which is impressive. Um, I mean, what do you want from the man? He, he he's just like a ninety plus percent knockout rate. He's exciting. He sells out. He's he's evidently skilled he's very skilled no matter the level of competition he's kind of like terence crawford like is this is hard to get boxers willing to fight him as it is him to you know what i'm saying win these fights it's, it's harder for him to get the fight he had to move up to 140 to get a championship level belt and i mean the dude he fought you know i've seen him fight before he, he's not a scrub he's not as skilled as tank but i mean he knocked out somebody that was truly two weight classes above what he used to fight in that because he used to fight at 130 
He only had one fight at 135, and then he immediately moved up to 140 after going to a 130 bout. So, I mean, his ability to move in between three divisions is impressive. His ability to knock people out cold is impressive. His ability to sell out shows is impressive. He has that pay-per-view clout, as some people like to call it. Um, So I think that alone just allows him to replace Juan Francisco Estrada at number 10 just because he's at the more uh, aesthetically pleasing division. He's a stronger puncher, and he's probably more skilled and he's younger, so his potential. I mean, I put him at 10 this year. Uh, By the end of next year, they make the right fights. He'll probably be in the top five, and that's just me being honest. It's no Mayweather bias at all. So, um, look, man, Sun finished the bottle. About time to change that diaper, rock him to sleep. I appreciate you guys rocking out with me for this episode of the Fight Night Edition of the Alf Geeks podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, You guys be safe, mask up, get vaccinated, all that good stuff. I love you guys. Out.